Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point, frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids, can't taste clean water A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors, anguish, lightning in our veins Hear it in a language when they are kissing for the rain I am product of people that persevere, persecution Paint me so creator sees me if I go out shooting Experience our pain when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. I biggest sees Nitsigasun, My name is Amber Dion, and I am from the Kihiwan Cree Nation here in Treaty 6 Territory. I'm a mother, a social worker, and assistant professor with McEwen University School of Social Work, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Welcome, my name is Terry Sungens. I'm from Salt Lake Cree Nation, and I'm the Director of Indigenous Initiatives in Kiowatsin at McEwen University. We are so honored that you chose to join us today. Welcome to our final episode of season one of Two Crees in a Pod. We wanted to end our season one uh, with um, with two very special folks um, and kind of come full circle and re-invite um, our auntie, Dr. Leona Makokis, back to join us for this episode. Uh, we also have a special guest, Dr. Ralph Boder, who's also joining us. A uh, little bit of background of um, how we know Ralph. Uh, Ralph was actually one of my professors in my BSW and uh, my MSW and uh, has been uh, pretty instrumental in Terry and I's educational journeys and also in our social work careers. And so um, you can read more about Ralph in the bio that we will have posted on social media. And of course, um, Leona, who you can hear in our first episode of season one. Um, So thank you both for joining us today. And uh, we just want to open up uh, the space so that if there's anything else that you want to add to your bio, um, and anything else that you want to, or how you would like to introduce yourself, um, please do. Ralph? Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, thank you, Amber. That's a very gracious uh, introduction. John Ralph Jensigas, and Napita Tipskaupisum, Sagahigan Otsinia. Nia Wichitaso Egwa Hamake Amagayao. Um I um uh live by uh, Half Moon Lake just east of uh of uh, Sherwood Park and um, I work uh, with Leona and the rest of the folks as uh, one who comes to help and we and 
I'm an instructor, as Amber mentioned, for the uh, for the University of Calgary and the Faculty of Social Work. And I've had the absolute joy and pleasure of working with Leona uh, for over 20 years and Amber for probably the same length of time and for Terry for very close to the same length of time. And these are three people who are very, very, very near and dear to my heart. Thank you. My name is Michael Gijos, my name is Leona Makokas, and I'm um, originally from Sad Lake, but uh, a band member of uh, Kiwan. And uh, the last time I introduced myself is uh, according to the work that I did at Blue Quills, and I think the discussion today will be the work that we've been doing after my retirement uh, 10 years ago. And so that's been uh, a quite quite a different role. And I think that's what we're going to discuss today. Hi, hi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Leona. <clears throat> so we are, la in the first episode, we were actually at Blue Quills, uh, First Nations University. And today we are in St. Paul Smitty's. <laughs> we, uh, we were actually going to do the interview in Kihi and Cree Nation, and unfortunately, uh, just due to some Wi-Fi technical difficulties. Um, so we apologize if there is background noise uh, with this recording. But we wanted to kind of dive into, um, again, our conversations are organic, and we just want to be open to the discussion and wherever it takes us today. Uh, but we want to start just by, if each of you could just take the time to describe some of the work that you've been doing with Amantio. Leona, do you want to go or do you want me to? You go for it. <laughs> Leona might be having a snack. Um, in, a, in, a, in a sort of make a really, really long multi-year story, very short. Uh, Leona and I, quite some time ago, uh, were teaching a course for the uh, Faculty of Social Work uh, for BSW students, and uh, many of the students who graduated from that course went to work for agencies, various agencies, and talked about the course. And these agencies came to Leona and I and asked if we could uh, create uh, additional training uh, for the agencies. Um, and so law children's services agencies, private practice, um, different uh, agencies like that. And so we put together um, a four-day training uh, that was sort of based on coursework but had a more clinical focus and uh, called it a Mantiao because of the teaching about how we treat visitors, Mantiaoak. Um, and our people in the training and our clients are our visitors. So how we treat them is uh, important that we do that within the teachings and within the ceremony. So that's how I got called Amantiao. And then uh, since then, um, we have been inundated <laughs> with um, a great deal of training. Um, we've created a, a second uh, uh, sort of piece of training that we uh, completely and innovatively called Amantiao 2. And uh, <laughs> that's focused on healing and ceremony. Uh, and so um, really, uh, until the advent of our current apocalyptic plague, COVID, we were booked solid for, we've been booked solid for years at uh, 2020 and into 2021. Of course, all that's sort of on hold now. Um, and out of that, we've also had the opportunity to create a number of other options uh, or 
opportunities for uh, or alternatives for, for training um, that uh, have allowed us in the, to bring the, all of the research that we do. Um, and we've been doing this research, or wisdom seeking is what we call it, for so many years now. And it gives us an opportunity to share the teachings and share the wisdom seeking and share the learnings. Uh, and I think at last count, uh, we do uh, the training, I think 25 people at a time because it's process-based, ceremony-based, called the Sweat Lodge, so it's small numbers. And so we've done well over uh, a thousand folks in, uh, in the Edmonton area, sort of northern Alberta, um, in our training. And uh, it's just amazing how the ancestors have led us down this path, allowed us the opportunity to share these teachings and these learnings. It's uh, such an honor to be able to do that. Leona, do you want to add? Yeah, I think um, in terms of what we do um, on the Omantia one, uh, the, the first part, the four day one, has been that uh, I have been responsible to speak to the pre-contact and who we are as Crete uh, Nehiawak. And then the second day basically is, and everything starts in ceremony. We really believe that everything should start in ceremony. And we involve all the um, participants to, to uh, in introducing them to ceremony protocol. And so that we practice the Kiskinohamageo, which means that we teach by modeling and by them, uh, by experiential learning. So ceremony is threaded throughout the four days, and as well as in terms of, uh, of involving the participants, we ensure that there's dialogue, there's voice, that they have voice, they have, they're able to question or, or, um, or add to the information that we, we provide. And in the end, I think relationship building comes as a part of that experience. So the second day is usually uh, the colonial process, and Ralph really um, is responsible for that presentation. And the third day is on trauma, and uh, Carolyn, who's a, a therapist, speaks on the uh, on the trauma and in terms of our, our ways, indigenous ways of, of healing as well, and the ceremonial part of healing is important. And the last day is um, usually with, uh, again, speaking to or summarizing the, uh, the three days. And then how do people become allies? How do they become in understanding and feeling comfortable and um, staying away from the guilt or the fear that usually stops people from moving forward? So that's our, 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 our four days. And then, of course, uh, Omanteo 2 is basically all ceremony. Every The four days we have with them is ceremony throughout. And uh, we don't talk about the, the past or the history, or we don't talk about the residential schools or colonial processes. But I think we feel that uh, healing happens in ceremony. And that if these social workers are are not um don't understand ceremony or don't encourage their uh, their families to be a part of ceremony they're they don't do justice to them so that's basically it mm -hmm. um 
I have a question um, for both of you. Uh, Leona, I know that I've heard you talk about it before, share some of those teachings, and Ralph uh, briefly touched on the meaning of Omanteo. Um, but could you tell us a little bit more, tell our listeners a little bit more about what is an Omanteo and what are the teachings of Omanteo? Okay, um, growing up, well, I, can, I come from a very, a very fluent Cree-speaking uh, community. When I was growing up, I was just Cree that uh, was spoken. And But I remember uh, when we had visitors, they were honored. If they came to the community, people would just go to them and invite them over to their houses. And But in our home, when people arrived at our home, the first thing my dad, my mom and dad would would get us to do is to to cook cook them a meal. It didn't matter what time of the day we cooked them a meal, and throughout this their stay, we um, really honored them. We gave them the best of what we had, and of course they came in with their stories. They came in with their medicine sometimes, and you know some gifts, but most of the time it was us that prepared them to go on their next next part of their journey. So at the end, my 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 dad would. Um, always give his gun to the man and my mom being a seamstress would give the best of her blankets and our responsibility was to prepare the, a meal for them or prepare them enough food to get them to the ne- next leg of their journey mm-hmm. so that was um that the that the meaning of that omante was very very important so that we br- brought that back and the way we treat visitors even in the places of where we work, you know, that we give them the best. And then when they leave, we prepare them for the next leg, their, the next leg of their journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that was why we named it that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the teaching. Did you have anything to add to that, Ralph? Yeah, if it's okay, I'd be happy to. Um... There's another piece around, uh, you know, what Leon is saying about uh, all of the work being done in ceremony and and talking with uh, people who are doing, uh, you know, uh, providing services to Indigenous children, families, and communities to understand that the work to be done within ceremony, uh, within the teachings of Amantia. But, you know, the, the project that Amber worked on that ended up in sort of the concept of practices ceremony has been such a paradigm shifting uh, uh, project that you did, Amber, and, and realizing that uh, all of our practice is ceremony and that we work within ceremony. Um, and so, you know, that has informed so much of our training and so much of the direction that we've got in and understanding that. So the, the linkages between all of the work we've done is, is uh, and understanding the role of ceremony and healing is just so fundamental. Uh, and I know that, you know, the people that we work with uh, who come for our training, many of them are non-Indigenous, many of them have taken sort of uh, Western social work training at, uh, at my university or other places, and they've received a very Western education in social work, which is not helpful in, in many ways, because it doesn't talk about spirituality, it doesn't talk about ceremony, it doesn't talk about ceremonious healing. And, and we're pretty, um, I'm a little more outspoken i think the leona sometimes um 
really clear about if you can't do ceremony when you're working with indigenous children and families you got to really think about your role and uh, and how important that is uh, in relationship to healing so that, that would be a little bit i would add mm -hmm. thank you I think um, I, I just want to make a comment because uh, I have another I have another question too. But I know that in my discussion in our in our first episode with Leona, you know everything that she had shared with us, um, I was reflecting a lot and reflecting a lot, and especially with Ralph as well because Ralph was a supervisor, uh, my supervisor when I was at Blue Quills, um, was the amount of uh, guidance and the amount of mentorship that I've received from Leona and Ralph um, and how that mentorship guided me in my leadership today. There's so many different things when we think about being trauma-informed in the workplace as leaders and as supervisors. And, you know, that stuff just is, it's just comes as second nature to me. It's just things that I do. And I do because that's what I was taught, in a sense, from my own supervisors. That was, it was normalized and it was encouraging. And there was so much space to, A, heal through ceremony. There was a lot of kindness, there was a lot of support. And there was also the piece around, I think more so Ralph did this than Leona, was um, really pushing me to explore areas that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable in. And so whether that was in the classroom, like I remember Ralph once wanting me to go in and teach something to the masters of social work class. And I was like, me, I don't know. I'm not going to do that. And I was uh, really fearful of that. And, you know, and just, again, like being able to, to have people standing behind me and believing in me. Um, and having that belief and being able to move forward and know that, yes, you know, now I can stand in front of a classroom and teach. Um, and it's not, uh, I'm not afraid of it, I guess. And so I just want to thank both of you, you know, as, as you share um, your work with us, uh, that I also have a lot of gratitude for everything that you have taught me over the last, you know, Oh God, how long has it been? I don't want to say years. <laughs> Let's not say years. <laughs> uh, but my next question, I guess, is is to focus on because uh, you guys can't see Ralph, but Ralph is a Munyao. <laughs> He's the only white guy that's made it on our podcast. This <laughs> only one who's let. <laughs> the only one that was let on. <laughs> um, and so. I think it's really important for both of you to discuss kind of your role in working together as uh, an Indigenous woman, a Cree woman, and a white man, and coming together as allies and doing this really important work and kind of the roles that you've each had to take in different spaces, whether that's in community or whether that's in Western institutions. So. I'll leave it there and you could share what, who wants to go first? I think I'll that's, start. okay. <laughs> I'd like to talk about that in terms of, uh, even in terms of working at Blue Quills. Um, and my, my learning along the way was that, although I was president there, there were uh, times where I would not be as recognized for whatever area we we're talking about. So, 
inviting Ralph to come and speak on, on behalf of Blue Quills uh, made a difference. Um, and of course, there's cultural issues that came about as well, our cultural uh, beliefs. And I remember um, one of the, um, the teachings is, is about humility, being humble. And when, when I was asked to explain what Blue Quills was doing or our research, um, uh, what, what, what research we were doing, I did not, I didn't feel comfortable and saying and talking about all the work that Blue Quills was doing. So I used to hand that over to, uh, to Ralph to speak on our behalf. And I think that's, that's been the, at least my teaching from, from our, our elders is that, you know, you don't brag about or you don't talk about your successes, it, but it's okay if somebody else wants to talk about that, but it's not in your role. And also in terms of subject areas, like, for example, the um, presentation on colonization, I did not feel comfortable with it, especially with non-Native people. But he could speak to it, and they heard him differently than mm -hmm. if, they, if I had said anything about that. And the other thing, I remember making a presentation on uh, how to become an ally. I just didn't feel comfortable. It was like I did the presentation, but deep down I felt, geez, I think I'm begging these guys to be my friend. Oh. I really felt <laughs> that way. And it just did not feel mm -hmm. comfortable, so... You know, having Ralph speak about his, how he's become an ally, and living that role, I think is makes so much more sense to people and what it has to take to to really truly become an ally and become a part of a part of the projects that we're doing in a good way. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Ralph. I, I absolutely support um, uh, everything Leona has, has said. And um, it's something we've learned over the over the 20, 20 odd years now that, that we've worked together is that we are heard differently, Leona and I. Um, and so we're very strategic about that um, in getting policy change and getting legislation change in teaching people how to um, how to work more effectively um, and be aware. And, and so um, there's things that Leona, uh, they hear Leona, and then there's times when, uh, you know, it's my job uh, as an ally, uh, we see Tasso up to step up and um, and to say certain things that need to be said. And so the uh, colonialism piece, uh, the process of colonization is, is, like Leona said, is something that as an ally I need to be uh, clear about, but also... Um, We've had a lot of fun in, in uh, you know, deciding or talking about what does it mean to be an ally in a very concrete way. What does it mean to be one who comes to help, and and sharing that with folks because that seems to be something that's not understood well. And mm -hmm. actually, sort of point out here's the things that you need to do. These are the areas that you need to focus on. Uh, and like Leona says, that's that's not her job. Um, um, it's my job to uh, in our training to do that. As an ally, as a Paso, I have an ethical, I have a moral, I have a spiritual responsibility to step up um, and, uh, and and to engage into that role, uh, into, into those uh, those teachings uh, in a very, very serious way. So um, this gives us an opportunity to do that together. And I think the other thing I would add about 
working with Liana for so long, um, and and I know you you kind of introduced us as an as an indigenous woman and a white male, and, and you know I've I've lost track of that. Mm. Uh, well, maybe Leona hasn't lost track of it. She's probably more aware that she's uh, working with a white. But you know, Leona is she lives in my heart, and. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, she lives in my heart, and she's not indigenous in my heart. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> mm. Just making us cry while <laughs> 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 Smitty's. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Don't be sorry. No, no, and no. and I and I and I. So some of the um, the things that I, I I was thinking about as I was listening to both Ralph and Leona talk, uh, and even what you said, Terry, and I think about how, like in the early beginnings, like when um, when we used to co-teach the TP course for the University of Calgary, and it was always really incredible to witness uh, the way that Ralph and Leona worked together. And um, there's lots of humor. There's lots of teasing. Uh, there's lots of love. And, uh, and I think that when we think about allyship from my perspective, and I had a really cool conversation with, um, with a, a young lady uh, not long ago, and we were talking about what allyship means and what are the kind of the foundations or the roots of allyship. And is that even a word that you know, indigenous people feel comfortable in using. And, and so when we're, you know, kind of like processing what words would, would be, or like, how do we refer to each other? And I say to my classes all the time, if you are, you know, a non-indigenous person and you're working with indigenous communities and an indigenous person calls you deadly, that's a huge compliment. And like, <laughs> that's your in, you know, like that's when you know that that person is an ally and what does it mean to be an ally? And for me, it really is about, can I trust you? Can I, can I trust you um, to not exploit? Can I trust you to, you know, do the things that you do in front of me behind my, like, you know, not behind my back, but, you know, like when I'm not around. And am, are you going to advocate when no one is, like when no Indigenous people are around? And so what I really appreciate with, someone like Ralph is that I know, I know that Ralph does that work uh, when no one's listening. I know that Ralph does those things, you know, and advocates and creates um, lots of space for, uh, for work to happen at an, you know, academic or research or even just at a, a level where he, we taught the TP course on Ralph's property. Ralph opened up his home and his, uh, him and his partner's home to students so that we could learn in a ceremonial space rather than it being uh, at the, you know, at the concrete walls of, of the institution. And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that as well, is that uh, some of the pieces around allyship are really about trusting. Can I trust you? And how deadly are you? And Ralph's pretty deadly. And uh, so I just want to acknowledge that. Um, I have a question, um, and that question is about, 
Ralph mentioned it in the pieces around uh, Omanteo and the training. And one of the things that I get asked a lot is uh, from students is how do I not screw this up more? How do I, as a non-Indigenous social worker, how do I go out into the world and work with Indigenous peoples or other diverse populations and not screw it up more? How do, how do I, you know, how do I make it better? And I think that that fear of screwing it up more is what prevents us from acting. And so from your perspectives, Leona and Ralph, you know, how do people not screw it up more? Leona's pointing at me on the, on the Zoom screen. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is ceremony. Um, and the work has to be done always in ceremony. Um, and as a as a Muniao, I've been uh, uh, honored and privileged to be at Scapios in ceremony. And so to be able to um, stay in ceremony and do the work in ceremony, the ancestors guide us um, in lots of ways. And, um, and I think that would be sort of the first answer I would give you about sort of as a, as a that's why I when it comes to help or because we don't like the word ally either. Ally is an English or Western word, mm -hmm. and it has other connotations. And so uh, we always like to go back to the language. And so being a Wichitasawak, to be uh, in ceremony all the time in the work we're doing is vital. Um, and certainly the first first place to begin. And then, um, you know, there's living according and, and working according to the, the teachings and the natural laws and, and those things. Uh, but one of the most fundamental pieces, I think, and, and Leona talks about this, and I'm sure you, she will, is, is as a non-Indigenous person who wants to be an ally, is to know what I don't know um, and to understand that uh, the way we talk about the training is uh, from a Western place, as, as a non-Indigenous, you know, I, I learned, uh, I was cultured in that Western place. And so science and biology and health and language and parenting and, you know, beliefs and values and spirituality and sexuality and money, all of those things that I was, uh, I grew up learning um, exist uh, in a parallel, you know, another universe, an Indian universe um, to that, that extent. And sometimes even more, I think. And so to know that I don't, know that universe well um, but I need to learn it if I'm going to work with, with folks from that sort of indigenous universe and so the, the huge amount of knowledge and understanding that needs, I need to know what I don't know and I need to go learn it um, and to do that I have to be there, I have to be present I have to be active in ceremony um, I have to be involved um, and so that in, in the work that we've done and, and Leon I'm sure you and say something about the, the process. <laughs> we don't know what we don't know, um, and, and we it's not taught um, in lots of ways um, in the formal systems because that's a process of colonization. The Western world decides what's taught, and so those things aren't taught, and so we don't know what we don't know, and it's really important to learn that. I'm ranting. I'll stop. Leona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess in terms of... Um... I think what's important is when we start our sessions, we usually tell our uh, the uh, class that uh, if they don't have a mind flip, then we haven't done our job. 
because really that's what it is. And I think the sessions involve a lot of storytelling where you bring in examples, real concrete examples of where there's a worldview conflict. You know, people think of it this way because of this and explaining this is the way we view the world and this is the result of it. This is why we do things. And explaining that, I think, opens their minds. And I think as this journey with um, working with Ralph has been uh, quite uh, a learning journey for, on both sides. I remember, again, my own personal growth. I never slept in any white people's homes, ever. <laughs> and then he invited me to, him and Carolyn invited me to stay at their house because that's where we were teaching in the TP right, right outside of his home. I remember that first night I was very, very uncomfortable. Two o'clock in the morning, I got up and I went and covered all the food. <laughs> Everything was covered up, all his vegetables, his fruit, his, you know, breads, and I covered them up. So the next day, Carolyn and, and Ralph came down there wondering why all this food has been covered up. <laughs> so he asked, what, what's going on? I said, well, he says, we believe because we have so many feast offerings and we honor food, we don't leave food out in the open, especially at night. And I felt so uncomfortable. So I said, I had to um, admit that I didn't want to meet any of his ancestors. <laughs> but along the way, you know, there's been so many teachings for both of us and why, you know, and the depth of, uh, of, of our culture and our language and the meaning of language is so key mm -hmm. uh, and ceremony and re how we're related relationships and all of those words we now use in our in our training in fact we expect all the uh, trainees to to be able to introduce themselves introduce um, where they come from introduce uh, like um, the next person so learning the language along the way and hearing it and and that the depth of the meaning of, of the words and how our language is spiritual how we are mm -hmm. spiritual you know those teachings come through i think come through and it's important that again that's a role that i can play and also bringing in the experiences of the colonial processes like residential schools I'm a third generation residential school student. And so bringing to reality our lives um, and a lot of the, uh, and also the uh, Western way of teaching or Western way of what's taught and to be able to compare that to, to what, our, what our truth is, is important. Thank you, Leona. <clears throat> I wanted to make a comment, another comment that, uh, uh, Ralph makes some really good rice pudding mm -hmm. and I got to witness um, I had attended uh, the Montel training we had university staff students and faculty um, attend this this training um, out at Ralph's house and um, I had went ahead early and was helping Ralph with just with the food and the setup and uh, 
But I watched the relationship between these two. And uh, Leona had come in the night before um, and was staying at the house. But just how well he took care of her. And not like a, like as, as co-workers, but the, the depth of that relationship in um, serving her and, and making sure she had everything that she needed. Making sure that she had the food and and preparing his really good rice pudding, which I hope you could prepare for me and Amber really soon. <laughs> um, and so I appreciate that. And that was really beautiful to see because I think that when we think about the work that we do and the relationships that we have that are not just within our families or within our communities, but the relationships we have in our workplaces, that th those are also, you know, meaningful and they become your family and so they should become your family so that we are taking care of each other and especially in the, the field of social work i think that we need more supports in those in those organizations so as um as we're wrapping up i just want to share with each of you um ask each of you to just share any closing comments or messages that you have for our listeners today Ralph, uh, Leona wants you to go first. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I, a couple of things, just really quickly. Um, Leona is so gracious. Uh, I know that uh, one of the things uh, uh, that Leona had a belief that uh, Muniaus were very organized and neat and tidy. And I, I want everybody to know that I've absolutely destroyed that belief. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really to live in my house because it's not organized, neat, or tidy. <laughs> but every night we cover we cover the food. Um, I just really want to add, and, and it's building on, uh, thank you for, for what you said. That was so meaningful. Uh, Leona talked about language, and I would just toss in one piece that we've been learning recently, and the importance of language. Uh, you know, that the English is a language of uh, nouns, which are severing words, they're individuating words. Nainia is a language of, of verbs, which are connecting words and about relationships. And in social work, you know, we do this thing called, uh, most people will know, a, a genogram, which is aunts and uncles and, and those kinds of things. Those are all nouns. Um, and, and we, in, in the work that we do, talk about uh, relationship mapping or kinship mapping using the language, uh, Neho language, which is all verbs. So it's the relationships that people have. It's not the, the bloodline connections from a Western worldview. And so encouraging folks to um, really enter in, we call it, a, in the work that we do, we call it a mind flip, uh, right, Leona, where we ask people to do a mind flip and to look at things from a, that other world. Um, so even fundamentally, if you're doing a genogram with an Indigenous family, that's an act of colonization because you're, you're using nouns that, that make no sense in that universe. Um, and you need to be using uh, the Nehiel verbs about roles and relationships and connections um, to the land, the people, the community, and the ancestors in the ceremony. And so I would anybody listening to this that um, if you're in that context and you want to be an ally, be a Witsitasawak, that you really, language is key and ceremony is key. And I'd probably leave it there. Leona? I agree. And I have fun in the language. Um, 
I think this uh, course also brings to life the really true meaning of ceremony, mm -hmm. of healing, of language, what the depth of that word means. I, I always remember my late um, Auntie Veronica used to tell me, our language is spiritual. And I used to think at that time that it was because it was animate and inanimate. Now I've come to realize how spiritual it is just, and I'm much more aware of the meaning of each word every time I say something, every time I say a Cree word, what is it telling me? What, where does it come from? And it's all spiritual. And I think that's been the gift given to me as, as a part of this process is going back to the language and going back and being in ceremony because all our training is in ceremony. We have the experience of a feast. We, we provide the first day of feast. At the end of four days, the, um, the students will bring in their feast food because they've learned and now they're doing. It's not to know is to do. We have a sweat lodge ceremony. We have, you know, the uh, morning uh, smudge uh, pipe ceremony, the beginning and the end. So a lot of it is based in ceremony. And I think people get to feel a little more comfortable being in ceremony. And I think that's what the intention is to have people feel more comfortable in what they're learning and also in developing these relationships. A lot of them have gone on and developed uh, their own relationships with uh, our people and they're going into ceremony. They're inviting their, their families into ceremony and they're also teaching some of the families who've been disconnected from, from our culture, teaching them what they know. And I think that's so important. Excellent. <laughs> Amber, are you still on? <laughs> Hi, Amber, can you hear us? All right. So we're going to close off the podcast. I just want to thank Ralph and Leona for being so generous and, and sharing their knowledge with us today. Uh, again, this is closing off our season one, um, and it's been an incredible um, experience for both Amber and I to sit with so many amazing and beautiful people. Um, and it's, it's fitting that we end with the both of you for our season. So thank you very much. Hi, hi. Thank you. Thank you. It's been amazing. Two Crees in a pod.